There has been a lot going on in the world today. Uh, wildfires everywhere, my goodness, in California. So can we pray for those people, please? Father, I lift up before you all those who've gone through the challenges with the wildfires. We pray grace upon them. They have lost, many of them, everything. And so, God, we speak grace and healing to them. We pray that you would help them, Lord God, find deliverance and strength. For many, God, this has been the biggest loss of their lives. To see them one by one talk about the loss. I pray for you to help them through this time. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. amen. We're going to jump on in this today. Glad you're with us. If you're here for the first time, don't know what we're doing this month. This is a bit of a different season for us and how we do this. We are now in a discussion, and this discussion is about, uh, about uh, things that you want to talk about, questions you may have. And uh, in your hand, you have some sermon notes. Uh, the sermon notes are designed to guide you through this discussion. And they're really not sermon notes in the typical sense. We normally have a little more information on there. But today, there are questions. And so you have all four weeks of questions on those notes. Each week, we discuss, discuss another topic. Once a year, I'm talking about things that you want to talk about. And so I call this month, Listen. If you're going to build a future, which is the theme for the year, you have to learn how to do what? Listen, and that's key to building a future. And so I'm listening to you today. And so there'll be Q&A both online. You can send it to, to um, uh, the online uh, thing right there on the side of your screen. You can click into that and send it to us, and we'll be happy to respond to you and ask your questions. Also, there is um, going to be an opportunity for those of you in the room to ask questions, but here are the guidelines, okay? We're talking about four things this month. First month was on what? Relationships. You were here, right? Come on. First one was on what? Relationships. Second one was on, last week was on what? Politics. Oh, if you missed it, go back and listen to that. That was great. You had great questions, great discussion. And I gave you my biblical perspective on a lot of things last week about that. This week, we're talking about, say with me, please, say poverty and what? Prosperity. Say them again. Come on. What is it? Poverty and prosperity. And let me just say this to you up front. Whenever you talk about money in church, it's normally awful because they're not used to it. They act like everybody gets nervous and, you know, and, and it's sad because what better place to talk about it than in the house of God? And it's one of the big issues. How many of you need a financial blessing, like God to prosper you in some way? Now, wait, 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 wait. If, Lord, if they don't raise their hand, don't prosper them. I pray in Jesus' name. One more time. How many of you want God to prosper you in some way? Fine. Okay, there you go. See, now, so what I, what I want you to understand is this conversation is a healthy conversation. And what I'm going to do is force myself to stick to the script today. I'm going to get myself through this stuff I want to share with you first and get you right into our conversation so you can ask me as many questions as you want. But we do have a time limit, so everybody hear the rules, right? You get to ask how many questions? One. One. Say it again. How many questions? One. One. Okay. Don't be following up either. Can I follow up? Follow up? No. This ain't a news report. Okay, it's not one of those, um, what do you call those things, the press conference, okay? No follow-up questions. When everybody gets through, I might let you loop back around when we're done, if there's time left. But secondly, you cannot comment, which means you don't want to give advice to each other. So if they say something, yeah, I like what you just said. Let me ask, let me tell you what I think you ought to do. Take three pills and then, no, no, don't do that. Only questions. Everybody say questions. One more time. What did I say? So now if you don't ask a question, you can't be upset with me because I said that's not a question, right? Is that fair? I just said it, right? If I said it, if I didn't say it, then you could be frustrated, which you can't be because I'm a nice guy and all I ask for one more time for what? Questions, praise God. So I'm open to it. I look forward to it online too as well. So thank you. God bless you. Let's get to it. Open your Bibles up, all your sermon notes, and let's crank it on out here today. All right. The current event I've already talked about. We prayed for um, the people uh, that have uh, gone through this horrible loss. In, uh, and uh, I am incredibly uh, touched by what happened uh, in the wildfires. That's our current event. Every, every one of these uh, sessions, we first start off with something uh, as a current event. And uh, all the loss of house and property, thousands of people 
uh, that are homeless now, and it's just an amazing challenge there in California. And so we pray for their, their, their well-being. The big question from that experience would be, how do you prepare for the possibility of losing everything? My answer would be, you need a destruction strategy. Can you say destruction? destruction. Strategy. Right. Now, Paul, Paul warned us, <clears throat> excuse me, Paul warned us of something. He said that the things that are seen are now are here today and gone tomorrow. Uh, in the King James, it says things that we see now are temporary. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18 says that. I think you need to really, from all that we've seen with all these disasters, you need to have a disaster plan. What if I lost everything? <clears throat> what if I lost house, car, job, everything? What's your strategy for that? If you don't have a strategy for it, I think you are you're, you're in a place that's dangerous. Our church has one. If we lost everything, the building, uh, chairs, everything, there's a plan. Um, you need to now write this down. <clears throat> this is not on your sermon notes, but write this down. You'll like this. I'll give me some holy water. This is holy water right here. <clears throat> Whenever you... You talk three times. Sometimes you need a little holy water. Somebody, don't, it's just really water. Somebody's going to take that home too. Yeah, child. He said he got holy water up there. <laughs> anyway, so um, write this down. This is free, okay? You need to have insurance. <clears throat> some, kind, some kind of insurance. Uh, if you can't afford it, you need to write insurance on a piece of paper and pray over it every day and say, Lord, give me money to get some insurance. Protect your house, protect your, if you're, even if you're renting, you need to have some kind of insurance, renter's insurance. Secondly, <clears throat> you need to have some cash. Everybody say cash. You're going to have to deal with that whole issue. If you don't have any money, uh, it's going to be a challenge. And so you need to respect the process of, and here's what I believe. I believe in the 10, 10, 20, 30 rule. You know what that is, right? I made it up. Tithe 10%. Honor God with 10%. When you get paid, I get $1,000. I give God the first 100 That's just me. He's first. He's first in line. He's the first I bless. I want the kingdom of God to be blessed by what I do. Amen. Secondly, I, I sow to me. I get the next 10%. And if I can, I'll save 20%. That's 10, 10, 20. And if I can, how much do I save? 30%. Somebody said, oh, Jesus. That's, but see, that's, that's just a prayer. I'm not saying I have to be. I mean, I can save 10, but at least I'm going to do five. Amen. Okay, can I get one? How many of you just needed sometime in your life $10? You were someplace and you, you, were ten, you needed $10. Raise your hand. I've been there, $10. The other day I was someplace, you need $10. And see, and you're embarrassed if you don't have it. Saving five and five, give you 10. See, when you, when you only got $10 and you need $10, it's, it's the way you respond. What you do is you go, sure, no problem. And you pay it if you got the $10. If you ain't got the $10, when they say $10, you start praying. Because you know you only got five. You ever seen anybody in that line when they're getting ready to buy groceries and they run out of money and they got to put stuff back? Isn't that embarrassing? Don't say if it was you, but it's embarrassing. You got to put back, put back them two grapes. You know, you just you're so frustrated. But anyway, so a little bit of money can help you. So save some money. So 10 times, 10 to me, 10 if I, 20 if I can, 30 if I can. So my, that's my, my plan. But the goal is to put myself in a place where I can help myself in the middle of a crisis. Old people used to call it saving for you. What kind of day? Rainy day. How many know the rain's coming again? Yeah, it's coming. So you need to prepare for it. So um, wildfires, all that I've seen inspires me to care about that. That's all I want to say about that. Now, move on. Now, let me take you to today's topic, today's focus. I want to show you um, in our conversation today, I've got a few things before I show you this. I want to show you a couple of pictures but the question for today, is there are three questions that we're going to look at, four questions, I'm sorry, that are going to be what we call the lead questions. And I'll, I'll need to slide right now. Hold on for a second. Let me show you this. First question is, why are so many struggling and why can't the church do it? Do it? I'm sorry. Why are so many struggling and what can the church do about it? Say that with me, please. Come on. Why are so many struggling and what can the church do about it? Why are so many people struggling and in poverty? We're talking about two sides of an issue today. Poverty is one side of the issue. Prosperity is the other. My argument is church people have a hard time talking about those things. But I want to dis discover why. Why is that true? Then secondly, we want to talk about what are the main reasons people, 
struggle financially. I'm going to give you four reasons. Then we're going to talk about, is it wrong for you to have luxuries while others suffer? And then number four, when does my desire for more become greed? So those are the four things I'm going to answer for you as, a, as lead-in questions. Then you get a chance to ask me whatever you want to ask me about the subject of money or either um, prosperity or poverty. You can t- we can talk about those two things. All right? Here we go. Why are so many people struggling and what can the church do about it? First of all, I think the church has a responsibility to teach and model. Say those two things. Come on. Teach and model. I don't think it's the church's responsibility to fix everybody's financial issue. But I do think we should teach and we should be a model of it. We should do our best to be good stewards. Secondly, uh, second question is, what are the main reasons people struggle financially? Now, there are four reasons. And, and the first one is the most fair. First of all, some people struggle because of the availability of resources. They don't have it available to them. Some people don't have health care. Some people don't have it. In Georgia right now, there's this the independent market. Where if you were an independent person trying to get health care just without working for a company, it's literally not available starting in 2000, in next year. Now, I pray they do something about that. The individual market has really shifted. Now, all the carriers, carriers have moved out. Um, and don't get me started on why I think all that, all that is, you know, politicians are amazing. They, they spin around in these circles and conversation and leave people hanging in ways that I think are unwise and unhealthy. But the point is, some people don't have certain things available. Some people don't have a family that will help them. Some people, uh, some countries, they don't have the income infrastructure that, that you have in this country. The average income in the world is, I think, $18,000 a year across the world. Some people say as low as $10,000, depending on how you, how you calculate it. But, but let's just say, for the sake of the argument, we picked the $18,000 number. Many of you would say my income is higher than most people in the world. That's a fa- phenomenal fact. So my goal is to stay to kind of show you a couple of things, talk about this whole area of finances, prosperity, poverty, and first point out that availability is the issue. Some people don't have it available. Second thing we'll look at, some people don't have uh, management ability. The management of their resources is not good. So that's why they struggle financially. When they do get money, they don't manage it well. No one taught them how to manage it. Making money is one thing. Managing is another. Number three, the knowledge about resources. So say, say these with me so far. Say the availability of resources, the management of resources, the knowledge about resources. That's why some people struggle financially because they don't know enough about money. They, don't, they sign up for credit cards and do not understand interest. If you understood compound interest, you would not take a card and go down and charge a $100 item knowing you're going to pay $120, $125 for it. You wouldn't have paid $125 for that skirt. If they put a $125 tag on there, you would have said no. But because they offer you a credit card, here's something else. When they walk up to you and they say, listen, I'm not, I'm not down on anybody for doing this. I know if you work in a place and they tell you, you know, I'm not talking you down. I'm just telling the truth. They understand, for example, that when you go to a department store in particular and they say, okay, well, you know you get a 20, you, you'll get a 20% discount today if you get our card. And you go, really? Shoot. Show. Why not? Now, here's what they know that you don't know. Number one, they know you're not going to pay this off. There's an 80% chance, maybe 90% chance, that you're not going to pay this $100 off because they're going to send you a little receipt in the mail, a little, little statement, and say, look, you can pay $15. And you say, $15? Sure, I can pay $15. But the goal is they're trying to get more money out of that skirt or that dress or that, those pair of shoes. And then they know you're going to come back because now you can go in there and buy free, at least in your mind. They got a big sale next week. And they tell you about that big sale. Then they give you a little slip. They say, you come back, and within the next five days, we'll get 60% off, $60 off. They're trying to get you back. So then you're going to buy something for your Christmas time. You can buy something for your cousin, your grandmom, and everybody. And everybody goes, woo, thank you. Everybody crying and thank you. And they, but you don't charge the $500 <laughs> that week. And before you know it, you're up to $2,000. And now your minimum has gone up to $300. Now you got a problem. Or sometimes they keep it really low. Sometimes it's just $60. 
The goal is to keep you in the family for as long. It's like a wedding. You get married to visa. Some of you married to a visa right now. You married. You, are in, you might as well come down the aisle. I do promise to pay you for the rest of my life. I promise. Uh, another thing I'll throw at you real quick. You know why they give you 90 days same as cash or 60 days, 66 months same as cash? Because 80% of the people who do that don't pay it off. And what you do is they, they have you, you sign up, right? This, this is how you end up in poverty. You sign up, and then you say, okay, I'm going to get this, and they'll give me a year and a half to pay it off, or 90 days, sometimes a year. And then the interest mounts up every, every month, every month. And they give you a time. They say, now, you've got to pay this off in six months. If you don't pay it off in six months, you've got to pay all the back interest on six months and one day. And so you look up at six months and one day, let's say you charged up $1,000, and you look up six months and one day you didn't pay it all off. Every dime is not paid off. What did I say? Every what? Dime is not, what did they do? They hit you with all that interest. And so you, now you owe them $1,400, and you can, you confuse. $400 gets tacked on, $300 gets tacked on. And some of these interest rates are so high, it's ridiculous. So um, I want you to understand, they know something you don't know. They're not your friends. Why do they treat you so nice? They're not your friends. I'm not saying they're your enemies necessarily, but I'm saying if you understood money and if you understood interest, you wouldn't do that. I think you go down to the title place and give them your title. You don't even figure it up. You don't even, you don't even read the small print. You don't know what you're paying. You don't, you don't realize when you keep going down there signing up over and over and over again, getting extensions. And then you know you're in trouble when they know your first name. Hey, John. Glad to see you back. I'm not putting them down. I'm not done. People have to go and have to do business. I understand that. I'm just making a point. Be as smart as they are. Lift your hands. I need to be as smart as the people I do business with. I need to be as smart as they are. I just don't want to be the dumbest one in the room. That's my little saying. I don't want to be the dumbest one because if I'm the dumbest one, I'm going to lose. Say amen. All right. All right. So here they are. Say availability. Management, Management. Knowledge, knowledge, hunger. hunger. A lot of times the biggest problem why people don't have money because they're not hungry. And here's what I think. This is one of the hardest things to get Christians to process because they struggle with it, this whole idea of talking about this. And they believe that the hunger for wealth is evil. And they use this verse, 1 Timothy 6 and 10. The love of money is the root of all evil. So what they do is say anytime you talk about money, you're being evil. It's evil. It can get you in trouble. So I think that's a misunderstanding of that verse. The key term is the love and the worship of money. That's what gets you in trouble. If you worship it, yeah. But money is a tool that can help you do amazing things. And if you can get your family to catch on to that, it can change your whole family. If a church catches on to it. The reason I raise the offering, the reason that we try to manage our money well here is because we want to be able to do good things. You can talk about Puerto Rico, but if you can't send them a dime, who cares what you feel? You want to help young people, but you can't afford to have any events for them. You can't have facilities. This is not cheap. This is not free. It takes resources. People honoring God, bringing our tithes together, honoring God. God set this system up to bless you. And so understand that the hunger for wealth is misunderstood. Also, the passion for wealth building is often misunderstood. Proverbs 13, 4 says that the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. If you work hard, you should be rewarded. There's nothing wrong with that. I also believe that God's vision for our advancement is often underestimated. In other words, we underestimate what God wants to do. Here's what he said in Ephesians 3.20. God is able to do what? Exceedingly, abundantly, above. One more time. How? how, how? Exceedingly, abundantly, above. In the Greek, it's really powerful because the emphasis is emphatic. Exceedingly, abundantly, above. Try that again. Come on. Say exceedingly, abundantly above. See, he wants to do way more than, than you can imagine. Anything that you can ask or think. Well, shouldn't you just be content, Pastor, with what you have? Here's the answer. Yes, if that's all you want. If you reach your match, max, so be it. That, and that's fine. But no, if you want God to do more in your life. Matthew chapter 9, verse 29 says it this way, according to your faith, so be it unto you. 
If you don't believe, fine. I, I, I talk to pastors all the time, and I have these amazing conversations. And I'll say, hey, man, you know, your church is growing once you add a service. Temple, see, you want everybody to be tired just like you. I'm not doing three services. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. No, absolutely not. I mean, they shut me. This amazing. And I said, okay, no problem. Just thought you might. You're already 80% full. You know, the rule says you get 80%. You know, you need to have a certain. No, I'm not doing that. How about streaming? I ain't streaming because they'll stay home. Well, they're going to stay home anyway. Or just watch me online. That's what they're going to do, one of the two. So I say, join them. You can't beat them. Do what? Join them. Praise God. How many of you stream sometime? Raise your hand. See, what if I cut streaming out? See? You wouldn't, how many would want me to keep streaming? Raise your hand. Keep streaming. See, look at that. Isn't that something? So I, I have to learn to embrace change and not be afraid of it. But a lot of people are afraid, and they, they, they don't want to do anything. Uh, they, they, they are struggling with the whole idea of, um, of anything major. or, or di- We have thousands who watch us digitally online. Uh, as many people as are in here, more home watching. Uh, that's our biggest audience now. On demand is even bigger. Our on demand audience is our biggest audience. People go watch it later. I can't run from that. 60 plus percent of our income comes outside the building. 60% of it. Why am I fighting it? According to your faith, so be it unto you. If you say you're not going to do email, you're going to just wait for the post office, fine. That's fine. It's okay. You can do what you want to do according to your what? Let's make it personal. Say according According to my faith. faith. Watch this now. According to who? My. My faith. So be it unto me. I can't blame anybody. Then there's one more verse for you that might, might be helpful. Um, is it wrong for you, pastor, to have luxuries while others suffer? Um, well, you know, I, I had people say things to me like, well, you know, you should be riding no bit Mercedes Benz or BMW and people are hungry. And, uh, and one guy whom I deeply love made a big deal out of it. I won't say his name because it's probably not fair to him, but he said it, you know. Anyway, he made a big deal out of it. And uh, I I said, well, first of all, why can't you feed the hungry and ride in your car? Why why must we choose between the two if you can can feed the hungry? Now, I believe you can be blessed and help people. As a matter of fact, let me ask you this question. Do you want to work for a broke person or a blessed person? No, 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 no. Let's work for broke people. Why don't you want to work for a broke person? Because they, they, they can't, they, she really into it. Now, they ain't got no money. They can't do nothing. She, I said, <laughs> you, you got married real quick. Like, oh, like but you don't understand? <laughs> they can't pay me. <laughs> That's right. See, I understand, I understand what you're trying to say. You're trying to say don't be extreme. I get that. But let's not judge people who prosper. And let's not just people who are in poverty, struggling. Some of them don't have availability. There's no access. Our job should be to help them get access to the things that they need. But I don't think we should belittle people who have. Here's what the Bible says, Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. You reap what you sow. And if the person has sown well, done well, so be it. Now, I believe in doing well, but I also believe in helping the poor. So every, every Sunday, we as a church feed about, for th- all we, do, we spend $300, and we feed about almost 300 kids in um, Uganda, breakfast. One of our members was, was um, sending the money home, Beatrice. Was, she's a registered nurse, and she was sending money home to Uganda. And we were just talking one day. And she said, yes, Pastor, I send home. I said, what's it cost? She said, $50. I feed, she said, 50 kids or something. I said, okay, well, let me match you. I'm going to feed 100 kids. You going to do that? I said, yeah, church, do it too. 50 more. Before you know it, we're feeding almost 300 kids. It's amazing. Come on, amen. It's amazing what you can do every Sunday morning. And she said they would come to church hungry and not be able to eat till later on in the day because they didn't, you know, families didn't have any money. Then they were sitting on the, on the, on, on the dirt and, and the church didn't have any chairs. So overcome by faith, bought them all chairs. We bought pews. Bought them all pews. It cost but a few hundred dollars. It costs but a few hundred dollars, maybe a couple of thousand. I'm not sure how much it costs, but we did it. So that's what I'm saying. So you can talk a big talk, but if you don't have any money, all you can do is talk, give speeches. Yak, 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 yak. Can't do anything because you're broke. You need to change your financial position so you can be able to help people that are in poverty. 
Come on, say amen now. Come on. So I understand. All right. Now, so here we go. Last question. What does, um, when does my desire for more become greed? Here's a verse, 1 Timothy 6 and 9. I'm paraphrasing it. When, you, when your desire for wealth becomes harmful, lust-filled, and drowning, then you've crossed over into greed. But if, 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 you know, as long as you're not worshiping the money and you're not putting it above God and people and you, you're not just being selfish, then fine. So, you know, do what you can do. Do your best. We should, we should seek to grow in income as a church, seek to grow, you know, in, in quality of what we do. We should seek to improve our facilities. We should seek to do things. So it's, it's all about, you know, having balance. So I'm done. Those are my questions. I, I gave you a link on, on your notes. You can, if you're watching from home, you can click on the link. There's some of the resources. I want to show you something, though, something that you might find fascinating. I got some Pinterest I want to show you. I'm showing you a lot. This is, I showed this first last time. I'm showing you now. Last. Watch this. Um, I want to show you why some people have wealth and some people end up with an average, average life and average resources. Uh, and I'm not going to read all these, but, well, maybe, maybe I will. Uh, wealthy people read, read daily. Average people watch TV daily. <laughs> and I, I, I think TV robs a lot of you of a lot of hours. It's just your big thief. You go home and you sit there for four hours. Uh, it's amazing. I don't know how you pray for prosperity in your life and all you do is watch what other people do. You like this. You sit there and watch rich people. Tell me everything they're doing. Yeah, watch, child. Watch. She's wicked. Yeah, but she made $40,000 to tell you that. That person made $40,000 an episode, and you sitting there making how much an hour? $2, $10 an hour, and you see wicked, and you run home to see her. You run home to watch your, your rich people on TV. You watch them. You go, after church today, you can go home and watch them millionaires run up and down the field. <laughs> you know they're millionaires, a lot of them. <laughs> oh, and, you're like, and you're screaming and yelling, broke as can be, screaming and yelling. I don't mind. <laughs> I'm being honest. That's how, this is how I think. Why am I sitting here and watch, for six hours watching wealthy people lie to me? They sat down. Who got a pen? Anybody got a pen? Borrow your pen. Here. Let me tell you what happened. You ready? Thank you. Thank you so much. Here's what happened. Ready? They took somebody was in a room, and they na- name a show. Scandal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lord Jesus, scandal. First one, scandal. And it's scandalous too, I'm telling you. I tried to watch some scandal, but it scandaled my brain. I had to, un- I had to unscandal and unscramble the scandal because it was. <laughs> you know, <it's> <laughs> I'm around finished. I'm, I'm going to give you a pin back to me. Wait, wait. I, you know, I try to watch stuff, and I'm sitting there, and some say, you need to turn the channel right about now. Because you know the music lets you know it's starting to change, you know. <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> they start looking at each other and you go, okay. Then they start throwing this jacket off to the left. See, now the Holy Spirit says, turn. You say, you say, okay. And then what you do is you do this in slow motion. turn, all right. <laughs> anyway, what was that? Y'all got me all off. <laughs> scandal, yeah, scandal. So somebody sit down, and, 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 they, and they say, see, what I'm going to call this show? <laughs> scandal. Scandal. Hmm. Who are going to be the people in the show? Name the people. Who? No, the, the, the people in the, not the actors. Who? Olivia Pope. That's a good name. Olivia Pope. Who else? President. What's the per- that's the name of the person in the show? No, the person in the show. Scandal. Fritz. Fritz is the name. Make that a Fritz. Okay, who's dating who in the show? Fritz is dating Millie. Ha! I'm going to have Fritz date Millie in the show. You understand? So then I sit there and I make all this stuff up. And then I hire people to play these people. And then you watch them and believe they're all real. But they all came from the pen of somebody who made it all up. 
Some of it, they tired of people's life or, you know, life-like circumstances. But it's all pretend. And you run home every day. Every day. Tape it. Make sure you can get it. And watch these people who make a lot of money pretend to be somebody they're not. While you need to be working on trying to be who you need to be. Come on, say it, man. All right. All right. I'm not against it. I'm big, on, I'm big on theater. I like all that. I'm not against this. Don't think I'm approved. I'm, I'm for it. But let me get, I got to go past all this. Next, next slide. Watch this. Now, I'm going to show you something else. The, I'm going past all that today. Go past all my Pinterest stuff. Go past all that. Just get on to the money part. I'm going to show them this. Uh, here's, here's, the, here's the 2016, 2017 financial reality. Here's the reality of our money. This is fascinating. The reality of our money. First slide. Watch this. This is what people earn in May. This is the average person earns in America, at the top, notice this $60,000 line, the average American does not earn $60,000. The average American. Okay, next slide, please. Watch this. Now, I'm going to break this down by age. By 64, the average American, the average American, by 64, does not earn in his life. And I guess this is so amazing. The average American, by the time he's 64, does not earn more than, how much money it says, 20, 57, I can't see it, where is it, 57,000, right? The average American at 65 is earning $46,400 per year. The average American who's 60, below 64 earns 46000 Now, what's fascinating about this is it's shocking for most of us because we didn't really look close at how incomes really are not what you thought they would be. By the time you're 64, it's, it's amazing to think that everybody under that, the average person earns about 46000 according to one study by the Census Bureau. Then it goes on, uh, another thing I noted here was how salaries compare by age. If you look at the charts above and on your screen, 16 to 19 years, Old people make an average of $21,000 a year or $422 a week. 20 to 24-year-olds earn $525 a week or $27,000. Now, understand, we're talking about 20 to 24. Between 20 and 24, you max out at about $27,000 on average in America. Third, uh, age 25 to 34, you max out at $40,000. So between 25 and 34, you climb up to $40,000. And on average, and then 35 to 44, that's 50,000. 45 to 54, uh, average 50,000. Now, this does not break down by ethnicity. This does not break down by, you put, if you had, you know, whites, blacks, if you divided up as Spanish, Asians, these numbers are going to be different. 55 to 64, the average is $966 a week. That's $50,000 a year. But notice at 65, it starts going down 47,000. Now, all that's important, and I want to show you this last slide because I think this is amazing. Go to the last slide, please. No one gets the 50, nobody reaches 57,000 in this study. That's amazing. What do you think when you saw those numbers? What do you think? Unfair. Okay. No, those are just the averages of what the uh, national averages based on those studies by the government. Somebody else, what do you think? Discouraging? What do you think? Talk loud for me, sir. The, and the cost of living is going up, and then the salaries are not going up. Okay, that's good. I, 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 somebody else? What do you think? You felt sad. Now, yes. What do you think? Most people, say it again, say it for me again. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm talking about the salaries, though. When you saw these numbers, were these numbers surprising to you? Okay. Was that it? Now, what's interesting is when you look at these numbers, the reason I show them to you is because I want you to see. Now, the question is why? Why don't you make more? Now, some of you look at these numbers and say, shoot, I'd take 50000 <laughs> I had a lady in the last service, she said, I'm making 20. I need 50. Praise God. That'd be a blessing to me. 
Somebody, everybody, everybody sees these numbers differently. To some of you, this is pure poverty. You couldn't imagine living on this amount of money. For some of you, it'd be a real blessing. So, but I want you to see the average. And I think it, it brings a sobriety to your mind and heart and makes you say, wow. Now, at the bottom of your sermon notes, the links to these numbers are there. So if you want to go look that up, you can, okay? And you can have a better, better glance at it. Now, all that I said to make the point that sometimes people uh, are challenged and finances are a fascinating subject. I've gone way longer than I should have, but I have fun with you. Pause. You get to ask me questions for the next, I'm going to take 20 minutes. I'm going to stretch it for a little bit. Far away, it's your turn. If you got a question for me, raise your hand. That's just to come to you and ask. Now, what are you going to ask me again? One question. All right. What's your question, sir? Praise the Lord. Mm-hmm. Hey, Pastor, with that post you just posted at 57000 what do you think about it being rinsed two, three times? And what I mean by that is you get taxed as soon as you get paid. You got deductibles. And then when you go to the grocery store, you're taxed again. You're paying the utility tax again. Your money is dwindling down to where by the time you get home, you have not much left. God is able. That's all I can tell you. <laughs> I mean, I can't change this the way, we, the way the game is played. And it's, it's, uh, it, it, but all I'm trying to do is help you have the conversation about why. I think you have to have knowledge. You have to learn how. You have to manage what you have. And you have to understand that that's what helps you. So, that, I mean, that's, that's short of that. Somebody else? Yes. Pastor, with the uh, local poverty rate is at 26%, which means that $30,000 is the federal poverty guidelines. People living below 30000 live in poverty. How do we change? That's with a certain number of kids, though, right? Four kids. Household four, of four. Four kids, yeah. Um, how do so we? So $30,000, if you make $30,000 a year and you have four kids in the government No, four standard, people in the house. Huh? Four, a family of four. That makes $30,000 in that house. That's yes. considered poverty. Okay, That's poverty. Ahead. And you showed us 50000 maybe was the average. Nationwide. Nationwide. Yeah. So locally, though, what do we do locally to bring up wages to how do we find ways to do, number one, make the availability of resources there for people to get out of poverty? Let me tell you, you know how I think Ricky Temple thinks? I don't wait for people to do stuff for me. That's my first thought. I, I, this idea that government's going to ride in on a horse and save me, you're going to be waiting a long time. You have to come up with, Ricky has a plan for Ricky. I have a plan for the Temple family, a plan for overcoming by faith. I have a plan for my staff. I, I just can't plan for everybody. The city can only do so much. They only have so many resources. What I need to do is decide, am I watching too much TV? I need to decide what I can do for myself. I got four people in the house, and we're only making $30,000. Who else ain't working? If we got four kids, I understand, four young kids. I get that. But at some point, we got to renegotiate how we manage this. And if we only make $30,000, we got to make this work. What I don't like sometimes is when a person's in a position, they act like the government put them in that position. That's not all the time true. How much can I say? Can I say what I want to say? No, I want to know, can I say what I want to say? You fell in love with Billy Bob. You and Billy Bob did the wild thing. Now you got three people living with you, and Billy Bob is gone. You can't blame Savannah City for that. You can't blame, you can't blame the city of Savannah. Now, now, Billy Bob may be a good bro. He may come back, but here's what Susie May got to figure out. Susie May got to figure out that she don't need to go find Billy, Billy Bo next. And she had Billy Bob, she's going to have Billy Bo. You understand? Everybody got to stop. You got to, you got to, st- a lot of times it's our love choices, love choices, love behaviors. It's our sexual behaviors. A lot of that, it's our academic attitudes. You went to class, you was a class clown. You laughed and you was walking around high school smiling and swinging your hips. Now your hips are too big to swing and you can't afford it. I'm not being funny. I'm not just talking about women. You're cool. You're cool in school, bruh. And now you got all these babies you got to pay for. So I'm saying, depend on your own drugs. You're not, I'm just saying, you're not taking care of yourself. You, you, know, you got a lot of issues. And so here's what I would suggest you do. 
Stop blaming everybody else. Stop looking for somebody to come save you and save yourself. I think you need to save yourself. You need to do something about your life. And I, but understand, what's unfair is to not make it available to everybody. That's what's unfair. And the government, the city of Savannah, the, the country, should do what they can. Congress should do what they can to make it available to everybody. I think you need to find a way to make health care available, make, make jobs available, make education available. I think, we, I think these two tuition costs are too high. I think they need to find a way to make it work. But, but, all the students clapping, all the students. That's, now you're on the right topic. That's the right. Get on with that. That's right. But understand, there's a certain amount of responsibility you have to own. There are people in here who would say, I had a free college ride, but I didn't take advantage of it. I was too busy falling in love. So now I'm having trouble that I didn't have to have. You see, I went and charged all that stuff at the mall. They, I, I took the credit card that they gave me in college, and I, in college, charged up $5,000. And then I'm studying accounting, and then when I got out of college, my FICO score was four, and I couldn't get an accounting job. Because I did that, partying with my friends. So what I'm saying is, be fair. Hope that helps. Somebody else. All right, where we at? Where we at? Right here. Who's got the mic? Yes. And then here. Um, yes. I was wondering, with, with such a big misunderstanding around the love and worship of money, could the church benefit um, from more teachings on idol worship or worship that's outside or wrongly placed worship? Can we benefit more? I think, I think you get a whole lot of that. I personally think you get a whole lot of teaching on idol worship. We make everything bad. I think we don't teach enough about money and management and how to manage your life. I get criticized for this. All you talk about is money. That's not true. Look at the sermon notes. That's not true. But people say, if I say anything about it, then it's, you know, that's, I went to church today. He, he owned the money key. I'm telling you would. You know, and, and, you know, broke person talking. That's what I say. Listen, if you, I, that's what I say. If you want to know what I say in my head, because that's a person who doesn't understand that, first of all, you can talk a big talk, but if you can't do anything, I'm not trying to, I don't, I don't worship money at all. I worship God, the living God. Money can't save me. Jesus died on the cross for me. Come on, say amen. I'm, I'm clear about that. But if you ask me what people talk to me about, why I've dealt with these four questions, they talk to me about their family issues. That was first week. And now they talk to me about politics. They're so mad they can't hardly breathe some of it. You know, if you were here last week, you need to go listen today. It was a lot of conversation. I just put all three services up so you can go listen to all the questions from last week. And then they talk to me about their money. And then the last thing they talk to me about is their children. That's next week. So that's why I'm dealing with these four big questions each week. And so I think the church doesn't talk about it enough. We do talk about it. We make everything seem like an idol. We make money seem like an idol. And that's what's wrong. So I'm sorry. Where we at? Red, yes, go right ahead. I'll give a plug for Financial Peace University that Yay. you all offer. But I also wanted to ask, at all levels, we can all do the dreaded B-word budget. Can you give a simplified way to start or at least a resource to start a budget on every income level? Budget just makes you feel like bound. But here, here's what you need to do. I love the way he says in Financial Peace. Get $1,000. Let's make that a goal. We're going to save $1,000 so we can have that as an emergency fund in case something goes wrong. I got $100 here. I can buy gas. I can buy food, something like that. Okay. And what you want to do is you want to start with uh, a clear sense of boundaries. So this is what I make. If I spend more than I make, like my government does, taking $16 trillion, but we spend $16 trillion, $560 billion. That's why we're in trouble. We keep spending a half a billion more than we make in, take in. So that means that's more on the, on the $20 trillion deficit. Are you with me? You can't keep spending more than you take in. If you do, you're going to get in trouble. So you start with an honest assessment of what you're doing. This is what I take in. And then you, here's what's hard. Take an honest assessment of what I spend. Down to the penny. Here's what I spend. And then make some choices. Choices to free you. It starts with saving, honoring God honoring yourself, and trying to live off the rest. And that, that means I can't do this, I can't do that for now. I, I'm going to defer some of this pleasure for now so that I can have more joy later. And then I'll tell you something else that would help you budget. Bring everybody that's spending money to the table. You and your husband have to sit together. You can't budget if, every, if, if you're both not talking. Your money, my money. So what I would suggest is you start with an honest assessment of what you have, an honest assessment of what you spend, 
and then make the goal, let's save $1,000. That's where you start. All right, where are we at? Let me see how many questions I have. One here, I got, let me see, I got one here, and I got where else? Two, okay, three, okay, good. What I'm going to do is go over here, and we got one online too, okay. Hold online, tell me what your question is, and I'm going to come to online next, yes. How do you um, encourage some people who, at, at the time now, they're relying on the system? How do you encourage them to use the system as an advantage to better themselves, whether it be educational or financially at this time? I think the important thing is for you, if there is something out there, welfare or whatever, that can help you get started, see it as a starting point, not as the final destination. Government's not, even Social Security was never designed to be your main income. And if you rely on that, you're going to have a challenge if you rely on that. The percentage of older people that are relying on Social Security is way beyond what the government ever hoped it would be. And I think that's, that's a... a that's a wonderful point you made. I think see those things as starting points, but don't see those things as the final step. I think um, financial aid is important, but you shouldn't go get financial aid and then go to the mall and spend the money. Come on, students, give me an amen. <laughs> those are some expensive clothes you buy. You're going to have to pay all that money back, plus interest. And then, with, you know, let me start. All right, online, and then I'm going to come on. Yes, what's online? Yes. Um, do you suggest... Whole life or term life insurance? Depends on where you are and what age you are. If you're, if you're whole life, your term, term is good if you're young. As you get to be 59, 60, 65, even younger than that sometimes, you, you need to negotiate with your, with your guy or, the, or gal, whoever is your agent, your, your agent, and say, okay, when should I transfer out of this? Because sometimes term insurance is really low when you're young, but it starts climbing as you get older. So it depends on where you are. So ask your insurance agent. Okay? Where, where are we at with this? Right here. Yes. But also, isn't it a mindset, though, because we don't want to talk about money in church, but church is a business, and we have to run it as such because we're in the business of trying to save souls, and we can't save souls with the lighting on. See, you know, I like what you said, but here's what you got to do for church people. Shh, don't tell them I told you this. You got to dress it up and say kingdom business. Then they can handle it. If you say business, the church ain't a business. They get mad. So just. But they don't care we about that. To, they, and they, if them, you want us to do outreach, we can't do outreach without money. I'm on your side. Thank you. Pass the mic back. You're there. Thank you. I mean, you're right, but that, I'm just telling you what I've experienced over the years. I'm going to take it this way. Is that, we done everybody over there? Good. Okay. Yes. Okay. Where are we at now? Right here. Yes. And then okay. we're going this way and we're done. All so, right. Yes. Um, I'm a college student. I'm about to graduate. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I'm at the crossroad between poverty and prosperity. So how do <laughs> I go about... <laughs> How do I go about, like, choosing jobs and, like, other steps besides budgeting to, like, be prosperous? You know, you start with what's in front of you. You, you just start with what's in front of you. I mean, if you, when you grab, first of all, get out of school. Okay, that's the first thing. Finish. When you finish, then you look for jobs. Take the best offer you get. That works for you. Don't take the best money offer. Take the best money life offer, which means I might take this job that pays 5000 more, but it's going to kill me because I hate living in that city. You might can take the job that's 5000 less, have a better quality of life. Don't just take a job for money. Take a job for quality of life because you go on the job and you end up being sick. You spend $5,000 in, in the psycho ward because you got, <laughs> you got a crazy job. You understand? So, so pick the best job you can that's better for your life and then live by those rules, 10, 10, 20, 30 rules. You know, save yourself some money and build yourself to that next place. Okay? All right, where are we at? Yes? This question is pertaining to investment. Mm -hmm. um, once you build enough to actually make an investment, how do you make that wise choice when there are so many corrupt and unethical companies out there? I, you know, I, I just think you just pick, you, you do your research, thank you. Um, I, you pick, you do your research, and, um, and you find the best path. I mean, but it starts with, you understanding the power of I'm going to, I'm going to, um, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to make sure that I am following the 10, 10, 20, 30 rule, right? Making sure that I've honored God, making sure that I've saved for myself, build myself up a six-month, nine-month re reserve if I can, something strong. If I can't get as far as I can, then I'm going to uh, work on investments. Uh, if I have a 401k plan in my, in my business I'm, or, or a job, I'm going to max that out to the best that I can. And I'm going to make sure that I'm investing uh, in things that pay me back. In a 401k where they give you matching funds, like here at the church, we match up to 4%. I want to see that go to 5% for our staff. Everybody say amen. amen. And then, all right, don't say amen if you ain't giving now. Amen. Praise <laughs> God. We, we give 
We want to be 5%, 6%. I wish we can get more than that. We, I think we do a really good job. We, we, we have good benefits. So you take advantage of that, of that benefit. You, make, you take advantage of what's available to you. Then you start talking about investing in stocks and other outside you know, real estate and stuff. But make sure you've maxed out all the things you can, especially if it's going to give you a good tax benefit. So your 401K is brilliant because you get you, it's pre-tax money. It's, it's like, wow, why would I not do that? If I make 10000 I save 2000 I only get taxed on 8000 What did I say? Did that math work right? If I make 10000 right? <laughs> you know what I mean. If I make 10000 and I invest uh, 2000 in my 401K, $8,000 uh, is not going to be taxed. It's going to be taxed. The 2000 is not. I'll get it right in a minute. Okay, hang in the temple. So um, that's smart in use of your money. So I would say... Um, start small, build to that place. I'll tell you my mistake. When I um, got my, my I had, I came in, t- I had $10,000 cash. I felt rich. First thing I wanted to do was go and be an investor. Crazy. Should have just saved it. Make it my emergency fund. But I felt like a big spender. So I went and bought this IPO, and then the thing went down. I was watching, I was watching it every day. That's how you know you don't need to be doing that. You understand? You don't need to be doing that. If you've got to watch it every day, you need to be thinking long-term and, and, and then, you know, dollar cost averaging, small investments over time. And if you are starting late, and all of us have had moments when we felt like, and I could have saved more by now, but if, but if you have started late, start now. Just start now, get smart, do what you can do, and stop swiping those credit cards and doing all that and putting yourself in more and more bondage, and you'll be free. Hope that helps you, man. God. Where we at? Where we at? I'm, I'm, boy, I'm out of time. It's your fault, folks. I got one more. Where we at? One. Are we done? Here's the last one. You got two? Okay. These are the last two. Come on. Say, these are the last two. Come on. All right. Where we at? Yes. All right, Pastor. Um, I was raised in a sort of an affluent neighborhood, and there were a few Jewish individuals in the community that had a lot to say about the non-Jewish communities. And so um, when they looked at how certain individuals, like if you think of NFL teams, like the two teams that went to the Super Bowl were owned by Jewish men. Most of the NBA teams are owned by Jewish men. And in their community, when they spend money, it stays in the community over and over again. I was asking, what can we do as a church community? Because the way they explained everything, even being raised, uh, the children were always surrounded by a positive conversation, like you're intelligent, you're beautiful, you're smart. And then also, you know, in terms of when they spend. Right. It stays in the community. Yeah. And the bank, someone in the church, they need a bank loan, they can go to their synagogue and say, I need a bank loan. I need an accountant. I need this. And their their community, and they would just become wealthier and wealthier. So your question is, how do you, what can we do to to learn from that? Yes. Thank you. Um, Let me say this, first of all. I'm a big lover of the Jewish people, and going to Israel is a great experience and having friends that, that, that um, humanize the Jewish experience. Uh, uh, the, the, the first thing I'd say is that's what God promised them. There's a promise that God made to people who were descendants of Abraham that I celebrate. And... But the reality is all Jews are not rich. That is not true around the world. All Jews do not have a lot of money. That is not true around the world. And that, you know, all the NBA teams are not owned by Jews, and all the NFL teams are not owned by Jews. That's not true. But there are some. But I do think this. I do think that the majority of the lessons I learned from my Jewish friends is the power of culture and the power of a consistently bonded culture that where you're, you, you have enough culture to, to pass down tradition, money traditions. That's what's not been true in a lot of parts of the world, especially in the African-American community. You don't have the same bonding connections. So, for example, if I wanted to get us to do certain things, we're not connected the way they are in, in terms of culture, in terms of the way we think as a people. Um, we don't have a common homeland in the sense. You say Africa, but you don't know where in Africa. You don't know 
you haven't been home and you don't plan on going home. Some of you scared to get on the plane to go over there. Um, so you have to understand, they have a different place and platform from which they operate. So I can learn from their examples. I can learn from their story. And, but I don't know that that can be, at least so far, that has not been duplicated in our culture and just speaking as an African-American. And that's not totally duplicated in the white culture necessarily. But there is truth that the money does leave our culture real fast. But there are all kinds of reasons for that. We're in a minority in the country. We're 15% of the population. 15%? 12% of the population. So because you're in the minority, it's going to be harder for you to keep the money in your community. And it's also harder if you don't manage the money. Um, there's, there's just so many areas that work against us. Um, but then I think if we're honest, things can work for us. I just don't like to think in that, in that I try not to think, I hate to call it segregationist terms. I just think that we all need each other, black, white, Jew, Gentile, you, you know what I'm saying? And what, the, what I want to see more than money staying in my community or staying in any community is I want to see money be distributed more fairly. I want to see everybody having equal access and having equal opportunity. And I want to find a way to relate to my Jewish brothers, learn from them. I want to find a way to relate to my white brothers, to my Asian brothers. I want to learn how to relate to my Hispanic brothers. I want to learn how to find a way to unite us so that everybody is fairly treated. Because if you really want to get past even all of that, the real issue is gender. You know, there's more inequity between women and men. And if I showed you the chart in terms of income and treatment, and then the poorest of the people in the world are women and children. You see, men are in a whole nother place. So if you start, it depends on where you want to pick the fight and where you want to fight. What I would say we need is we need each other. A house divided against itself cannot stand. And I think that's true. Even though I get the point and I understand the whole idea of money being uh, mixed in communities and all uh, and shared, and, you know, in the community. But I, I just think that I'm not trying to do that. I think I need everybody to work together. Where are we at now? Last one for the day. Great question. I really like that. Brilliant. Yes. Good morning. Um, Good morning. When you look at the spectrum, one end is poverty, the other is prosperity. When you, and we live in an age where everybody want to be entrepreneurial. What do you say to people who are like risking poverty to have that rags the riches story of, hey, I gained prosperity, but it took me doing this. And it's almost like they stepped backwards to go forward. You know, it, it depends on what we're talking about. I mean, Walt Disney took a big step. He could have lost everything. That was a big move, man. I mean, he could have lost. This, this was like the biggest, <laughs> going to lose everything. You know, Ford, Henry, for a lot of people who made big impact in the world made, took big risk. I, I think it depends on what you want to do and where you are in your life. Um, Apple could have folded, um, almost folded at one point. Um, I, I don't know that I, I want to take the risk out of the world because the people who are f full of fire and, and passion, who want something so much that they're willing to risk everything, I admire those people. So I don't think you have to, in every case, come up with a blanket answer to say, okay, this is all bad or all good. What's good for you? You know, you pick what you want to do. Ricky Tempo, the brother, I got a line. I want to take some chances. I'm more risky than Diane. Diane is way less riskier than me. Here's what she told me. As long as my bills are paid, as long as we got some cash, as long we ain't got no problems. But Temple, let me tell you right now, we can't be spending all our money. So to stay married to her and be happy, I can't take but so much risk. But... But she lets me take some, and uh, and I'm pretty I'm pretty risky at times, and uh, you know I, I've 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 overhired, I've overdreamed, I've you know we almost overbuilt, you know, um, be candid, be honest. I'm glad we didn't. I learned from that experience. Now we will build the right size building. I'm glad we almost overbuilt, but we didn't. Uh, so that's a sign of me being faithful. Hallelujah. But I've learned to listen. And uh, I've always been a listener, and I think that's what this month's been about. Have you enjoyed the conversation? Yeah. I hope you have. Father, I thank you for this time. Did, did I get everybody? I got everybody, right? I did? Okay. Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for the discussion. I thank you for those online and those in, in the building. I thank you, Lord God, for allowing us to be together this week, this month. And these discussions have been amazing. Next month, next week, rather, as we close out with talking about our children and our relationships with our young people, for the parents who are going to learn great lessons about kids and the challenges that we're having. I pray that you'd help us as we close this out to have an amazing discussion. 
And I pray that we would leave with our lives changed. And also pray for anybody in this room who doesn't know your Savior. They've heard us talk about this today. But I pray that if they don't know you, that they'd open their hearts and minds to you and say, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. I love you and I need you in my life. I pray this would be the day that they would make that decision. And we give you the praise and the glory for them in Jesus' name. And everybody say, amen. Thank